It's time for the World Arm Wrestling League this week. I'm your host, Neil Pickup, and it is on. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. Show number 51 here on the World Arm Wrestling League this week with myself, Neil Pickup. Two really great guests tonight joining me. I'm so excited for this one. The first is a middleweight standout who is massively popular in the World Arm Wrestling League and universally in the sport. Paul Lynn is my first guest tonight. The second needs no introduction anywhere in the world of arm wrestling and he is one of the most powerful pullers ever to do it. Before taking the choice to move up to the heavyweight division where he's made a real mark, this man was the most dominant middleweight champion in the history of the World Arm Wrestling League. Ladies and gentlemen, Todd Zilla, Todd Hutchins, is my second guest tonight. Tonight, it's all about the middleweight division. And I've got one of the middleweight roster standouts on the line, Mr. Paul Lynn. Paul, how are you doing, brother? Great, thanks for having me on, Neil. And I've also got a man who terrorized this division before moving up to the heavyweight division and making a massive impression there also. Todd Zilla. Hey, Todd everybody. <laughs> Mate, great to have you on here. You, uh, you're, 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 you're probably going to terrify everybody when I say it's all about middleweights and I've got you on it. They'll think you're talking about losing weight and getting down there. And it's not actually too much weight for you to lose. It's just a pain in the ass having to do it, isn't it? It is. That cutting weight never got easier. So, guys, thanks for coming on the show. We want to uh, really take a hard look at the middleweight division tonight. And also, before we get into that, I wanted to, to sort of catch your, your impressions on 601. Do you like the card, guys? We'll start with Paul. Oh, I love it. I absolutely love it. I think the BLM and Ryan Bowen match is dynamite. I think it could go either way. I think there's so many factors involved in that. Um the, the addition of Irina is unbelievable. I didn't see that coming. Um, and then obviously, you know, you got Adam Wilmot, Jamie Sheldon, which that match somehow has garnered a ton of hype in a real short period of time. Uh, yep. The last podcast was super interesting. I love uh, I love Adam interjecting all his, uh, his, uh, <laughs> his, his, his alter ego. Um, but, yeah, the card stacked, and you can't forget about Michael Todd and Devitt for sure. Unbelievable. And then, and obviously, uh, Eddie Hall uh, jumping in there against Rob on his off arm is mega interesting. And those are the type of things that are going to grow the sport. Eddie Hall is a superstar in the world of strength. And him being willing to, to kind of put himself on the line, and get, especially against a smaller man, mm-hmm. um, it, it's super huge for the sport. It's only going to grow it. What about yourself, Todd? Uh, have you got many uh, opinions on the sort of Eddie Hall coming into the to arm wrestling thing? I, I know that's quite a controversial point at this point in time. Yeah, I mean, I like Eddie Hall. I like him a lot. If Eddie Hall was my kid, I would tell him not to arm wrestle. I would tell him, do not risk all, everything else you've got for a hurt elbow or something that could possibly take you out for a month or two from whatever you're doing. But <laughs> that said... I, I am interested to see and in, uh, just how good you coached him, Neil. Well, to be honest, mate, I, I, we, we had we had about two hours, one day, 
the issue that you've got with Eddie is that he is never, uh, as Paul said, he is an absolute star in the sport at the moment. And he's got so many opportunities. He's in so many places all the time. It's difficult to pin him down. I mean, he was he was over in Ohio at the Arnolds. Uh, he's now in Australia, touring Australia on a, on a TV show on Harley Davidson's. Nice work if he can get it. You know, he, he's um, got film roles. He's, he's just all over the place. But I think um, just to sort of build on what Paul was saying... I think as arm wrestlers, we gotta we gotta look at this for what it is. That the fact that a man uh, of that stature within strength sports generally has sat up and shown some interest in what is uh, effectively, in some respects, a niche corner of strength sport, uh, I think is massive good fortune. To be honest, I think it's really great, and hopefully, he can he can bring that crossover element to the sport and, and get us a load of new fans. You should have given him my phone number, Neil. I'm in Ohio. It would take me less than two hours to teach him how to beat RBJ. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and there goes the touch paper lit. <laughs> Good job we don't have him on here now or it would be going crazy. But let, let, let's get into that, Todd. I mean, it's fair to say that yourself and Rob don't necessarily, you know, um, attend each other's bar mitfers and christenings. But on the other hand... Everybody loves... I'm, I'm North America's favourite arm wrestler. <laughs> You and you and Rob get heated, mate. You you've obviously you rub each other up the wrong way, but I think he would be the first to point out that there's a massive de- an amount of, of mutual respect there. Rob obviously rates you for what you are, um, an extremely strong individual. Do you, is the feeling mutual? Do you sort of respect what Rob brings to the table? Oh, well, I have to because once I left, nobody's touched him. But I, but Paul hasn't had a shot yet, so. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, you can't help what re- I mean, like him or not, the dude hasn't been challenged, you know, in that class. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a fair comment. And I think uh, you've got to sort of take your hat off, as you say, to Rob for that period of time to stay undefeated in probably or arguably the most competitive weight division is no mean feat. And it's not like he hasn't pulled some some real terrors in there. I mean, he's run through the likes of Craig Tuye, Jordan Sill, Storm Cholino. Bad men, you know. Yeah. If you look at the roster right now, and we'll, again, we'll go to Paul first. Who do you see as the the rightful contender? Is it yourself, Paul? Do you do you sort of put yourself in that place right now when you look at it? Do you think, yeah, I'm probably the man out there right now? So, you know, I, when you say rightful, that that's kind of like. Uh, oh, we're losing we're losing your audio, mate. For some reason. No. So I don't know if I'm right, but you got me, Neil? Yes, got you clean, brother. Okay. Yeah, like I said, I'm not sure if I'm the rightful person based off of how many matches I've had um, and who's the most quote-unquote deserving, but I do, in the deepest part of my heart, believe that I have the best chance. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that I'm, that I'm ready for that opportunity for sure. Um, but then I obviously understand the counter argument um, for, hey, well, this guy's only ever had one match. Yeah. Uh, so, so I get it, but I'm I'm ready for whoever I get, and uh, you know I'm only getting stronger. Is it is it um, the strength element that makes you think you are best suited to Rob, or is it another another facet of your style? Right. I think it's style. I think I have a couple options. Um, like I said, I'm not going out here saying, hey, Rob, Rob, you know, first off, Rob's unbelievable. He's so gifted and he has so many different angles. Um, but when I just kind of look at how, how some of the different matches have gone down, 
um, and the spots where I'm strong that some of his opponents weren't quite as strong at. I do think I have the ability to push him in certain spots where he's not completely comfortable. Mm -hmm. When you look at the matches and the defenses he, 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 he has had, and we'll start with Todd on this one, do you sort of see holes in, in Rob's game still? We know he tightened up his strap game. Do you see other avenues, other holes in his game that are people are failing to exploit, or is it just that nobody uh, is really at the level where they have got the ability to trouble Rob? Um, what I've seen was everybody seems to come out and do really, really good in the first match against Rob. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and a lot of times uh, our Rob will lose like that first match. And then they, I think they're like, they don't want to just win. They want to win in a, such a dominant fashion that they kind of uh, lose sight of the fact that they should first win first. So they always, they're always like trying to top roll him for some reason. I never understood that. I think Justin Bishop had a better shot. I think Justin Bishop was well positioned to win that match and he, and he gave it up. I think Jordan Sill not taking him into the straps was a, was a huge flaw in Jordan's part. Um, I'm trying to remember how Storm and RVJ's match went. I can't remember, but I think it was probably the same. I think everybody's trying to not just beat Rob, but also just beat that hand. So it's like they yeah. want to collect two trophies at one game, you know, when the first thing should be first collect that paycheck, win ugly if you have to, but fucking win. And then mm. you can figure out, you know, how you're going to, what, what you're going to put on your t-shirt later. Where, where do you believe Rob's biggest weakness lies, mate? I mean, uh, famously said, strength is not having a weakness. And there's definitely something in that. And the guy's very, very well-rounded. He can pull in all positions. He's got all the tools for the game. He's got that massive hand. He's got a powerful wrist. The arm strength is right there. You know, if you had to point to one glaring weakness in him or one that can be exploited, what would your advice be? Well, recently, I don't know if I was beating him outside of the straps. I think I might have beat him in the straps years ago, and it didn't matter. But I don't know if I ever beat him outside of the straps. And I don't think Rob likes pulling with his hand flat. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, he'll probably press. I think he'll be comfortable as I'll, as I'll get out in a press. I think if he plopped his hand back, I don't think he would bat an eye and keep... But if I think you keep his hand flat... I think he, I don't know, I, that, but that's how I pull him. You know, all my matches were the same. He knew it was coming, I knew it was coming, and it still went the same way. So, um, but yeah, he tightened up his strap game, but he's tightened up, you know, the true test on whether or not he's straightened up, tightened up his strap game was with the, if he's beating somebody who was beating him in the straps. I don't mm -hmm. know, you know, he was capable of beating Justin Storm and Jordan without the straps. I think I think two certainly two of those three names would definitely be the usual suspects in terms of where they'd had victories over Robin, that being Storm and Tuye. Um I know on the lead up to the defence against Craig, he was a little nervous. He was shook a little bit, Rob there. He 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 came on the show and he said, you know, I do have some demons with this guy. He's been successful with them in the past. This is gonna be interesting. He's felt like he was getting uh not set up, but a bomb burner in day, you know, from from day dot. Uh, if you, if you look at the guys that are 
coming up, the guys that are challenging, Paul included. What do you think that Paul brings to the table um, that would make you feel like he's best suited to the task, Todd? Obviously, you mentioned him, mentioned him as a real contender at the top of the conversation. Oh, I think I think Lynn's my all-time favorite middleweight champion. I think he's coming on. I think Tulia and Bishop are too small for this weight class. Mm. So I think Rob can just manhandle them, especially in the later rounds when there, when the edge is knocked off everybody. I just think Tulia and Bishop are too small to pull at 205 or 190 or whatever that weight class is, where Paul comes in with a lot of mass and a lot more power. Yeah. Um, let's see. I can't. I think me, Paul and I have only pulled once or twice in practice a while ago um and he's got that 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 i don't know how to explain it but there's a lot of guys that are strong and if you knock them off off one side or a little you know their strength fades where paul just feels like a like a whole bunch of sand in the gears man he's just stiff and strong and all you know whether you're going straight side or a little side or a little backwards Mm -hmm. and uh that kind of the ability to put force that kind of resistance or even that kind of offensive force is uh, is exhausting to pull because you can't find a spot where you can get in, get into your own lock and rest a little bit. Yeah. And if, and if Paul would wrestle a lot more aggressively, I think he would bulldoze people in that class. I know that the criticism that's been levied at Paul from people that I've spoken to who are on that sort of doubting tip would be that he just doesn't have the table time under his belt yet to deal with somebody like Rob, who's at the same same level or slightly higher level of power, but has all that technical diversity. I Is think those people are agree fools. Those people are fools. Uh, Paul's trained with Storm Cellino. When I pulled him, he was at Dave Morocco's house where there's probably 30 or 40 very high-level arm wrestlers. It, don't yep. take, it doesn't take 10 years to learn how to arm wrestle if you've been pre- training with somebody who's really, really good for two or three years. Mm-hmm. To be honest, it really only takes three or four years to get to the national level in the sport if you're not an idiot. And Paul's not an idiot. He, he knows his strength. He knows his power. Um the one thing I got against Storm, Storm's one of those people who overcomplicates arm wrestling. I, and Devin does this too. It, it, it's all these micro, why do they call it? Micro positioning, mountain climbing, chain reacting type stuff. Mm-hmm. I think Paul's just going to say, look, I need decent hand position and I just need to be stronger than the other guy. I like people who think like that. Is he stronger than the other guy? Paul, Paul's probably stronger than almost every other guy. He's stronger than all but one guy on this conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I'm not training anymore, so. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah, thanks for that compliment, though, man. Yeah, hey, I, listen, I have probably never been so flattered in my life, Todd, because obviously coming into this sport, you know, at the same age you did, I tried my best to model myself after you. You know what I mean? Well, so, you didn't grow your eyebrows? <laughs> they're growing. I'm getting older. Good luck. <laughs> That's the way I will. Honestly, honestly, I don't know if I've ever been so flattered, and I appreciate the kind words. And hopefully, one day I'll live up to it. I no, think so, I think it happens this year myself. But you you you've got him tipped, have you, Todd? You think it's this is a, a an opportunity? If he gets that shot, you think he'll uh, he'll have enough? Oh, I think I don't think anybody thinks RVJ will win against Paul. Wow! Wow! <laughs> I got big shoes to fill now. (laughs) Statement made right there. Wow.
Guys, we've got to take a short break just there, but please don't go anywhere. We will be back in two ticks. Welcome back to the show, guys. Show number 51 here. If you are just joining us, you're joining us for an absolute cracker. Paul Lynn and Toddzilla Todd Hutchins are in the seat. Let's get back to them. So if you look at like opponents, let's let's pick that one up and run with it here, Paul, a little bit. Uh, can I just call out some names and you give me uh, give me what you know, okay? Yeah. Craig Tuye. When I know obviously Craig's down at the moment and he's out, but you 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 had the match at Arnold's. Yep. Scared the living daylights out of him. Yep. What about other matches? Have you uh, have you guys pulled outside of that? And when was that? That was what a year, two years ago, maybe. That was two. That was two Arnold classics ago. Mm-hmm. So yeah, two years ago. Um, outside of that, I had never pulled Craig. Not even at practice. Um, he was at a, a Dave Morocco practice when I was probably a year into the game. I never got to grab him. Um, but yeah, yeah, that was a barn burner. I had him right at the pin line, and some rookie mistakes really cost me at that point. I don't know. Um, I don't know what form Craig really was in. I know he was a little bit lighter at the time. Um, didn't cut much weight for 198, where I cut about I cut about 20 pounds. Um, but yeah, I, I got a little impatient. I felt really good at the center line. Was able to absorb the hit with a little back pressure, gain a good decent cup for a high hook, and I tried to finish too quick. Got impatient and fell away from my arm. So hindsight's 2020. I learned a lot from that match for sure. Mm-hmm. Jordan Sill. I have never pulled Jordan Sill. Um, I see his strengths and weaknesses too. I, I feel like I feel like Jordan may have one of the best hooks in the class, um, especially when he's inside of the straps. Um, watching him pull against Rob and Storm, um, I was kind of scratching the inside of my head as to why he never went. He never forced his way into the straps against Storm at all. Um, and Storm's hands, obviously, possibly the best in the class. Yeah. Um, so, you, you know, you're against a strong-handed opponent. You you want the strap for sure. Um, and he, he lost 3-0 outside of the straps and, and, and couldn't find him and couldn't find a way to stall for him. And he kind of did the same thing against Rob. But Rob, I believe, did beat him one one match in the strap. Um, so I would – I mean, Jordan may be one of the – he might have the best hook in the class now that Todd's left. I don't know. He's certainly that – He's he, you know, he's the guy that's there gifted with – everything that you would need to dominate in this sport, isn't he? I mean, he's got yeah. tremendous hands, solid wrist, now, good speed. It's all there. What about, what about, what about, hey, Todd, how have you done with Jordan? Has he ever pulled uh, the, the, the 95 class in the past against you inside? Well, uh, just, just at a local bar. I trained with Jordan Sill for three or four years, and yeah. – I could never touch him in practice. I could never. I, there was nothing I could do in practice. I could do anything with him. Wow. I mean, well, what, he was one of those guys. I mean, he just didn't go out and destroy at a tournament. I was always surprised because uh, in practice, I could, I can't touch him. And I think we pulled competitively at. He had won or at a tournament, and he had won. I don't know, two or three weight classes, and at the end, it was just a like a call out grudge match type stuff. So. I went up there and slipped one past the goalie on him, I think. So, right. It's interesting that, mate, because speaking to John, John Brzezink, he always used to and always has described Jordan as sort of that classic underachiever in some respects and, 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 and echoed the sentiment you just put across there. 
in terms of, you know, you pull this kid in practice, he's an absolute serial killer. And do you think he's got maybe some issues with his head? Um, it's, well, compared to John, we all do. But winning yeah. a tournament's different than knowing how to arm wrestle. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, Jordan would just be crazy, just over the top, strong and, and uh, prime. But, yeah, something something like click in a, in a tournament with him. Now, he did well in your arm war series. I watched him. Yeah, play. he did. But, uh, yeah, I, I think, uh, I don't know. He, you know what? There's nothing wrong with his head in practice. He talks crap and makes us all feel like little babies in practice. I don't know what happens at a tournament with him, but I'm always surprised when he doesn't destroy everybody. Yeah, I know um, he did really well at Arm Wars against some really solid opposition. I mean, we had him pulling guys like, you know, Matt Mask, uh, Lars Robarkin. You know, he pulled some beasts and, and really showed up. Uh, so, like you say, I, I've always rated him you know, a lot higher than Tom Nelson does. Uh, He's, you know, obviously Jordan Sill is weak. We don't want to get off topic, but just back in the real world, outside of Tesh, he's a very, very strong guy. (laughs) That Uh, is true. Outside of Danny Tesh, Jordan. Well, we can't be ridiculous, you know, that's a a different level. But um, keeping with, you know, mortal men, I think, uh, hey, You've got a lot to answer for as well, Todd. I mean, Fully enough, what are we in? We're like 20 minutes into this call and I haven't ripped you on this already. And I apologise to everybody listening in. As I understand it, you're the guy that came up with Vector. With Vector? Yeah. All this Hell Vector yeah, because I got that... tired of everybody talking about angles and they don't. an angle doesn't even make no damn sense. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, incredible, it isn't it? Did you realise? talk about it. <laughs> and uh, I knew how successful the first time I heard Devin say Vector because he would do he would do 15 minute monologues on angles and it used to drive me absolutely crazy to hear people talk about angles this and angles that. And the whole time you're talking about applying a force, you don't apply force through angles. That's a vector. And now, <laughs> now the best selling T-shirt in the arm wrestling community is a is a, a rainbow colored Vector shirt. I mean. <laughs> You can't. Fit. I wonder whether you you knew at that time what you were letting loose, mate. I, I mean, just, I, I I didn't I didn't want to influence everybody, but I did want to correct the people I was coaching. <laughs> and the other one, what about this forty four percent? That's that's Ryan's claim. That's uh, um, that I didn't come up with that. <laughs> do you do you buy into any of that, mate? Do you think that he did actually make that level of gain? I mean, you pulled him before and after. What have you seen? Well, that 44% he claims is what he's measured. But you got to understand, if you've never, if you've never trained bench press and you're in your, if you're a fully grown man in your 30s and you've never bench pressed before, in six months, your bench press will probably go up 44% just because mm. you, you don't know how to bench press. So a lot of that, anytime you take up a new sport or a new skill, you get better just through coordination. And then your brain starts wiring up the, uh, I always get this wrong, not the synapses, but the, uh, the things that fire the muscles. So as your brain learns which muscles to trigger and stuff, it, it looks like a strength increase. But, you know, you get a lot of boost from technique. So in the very, very beginning, 
Paul probably sees this coaching high school kids all the time. They get, they make crazy gains at the beginning, but it's not that they got stronger. It's just that they finally learned how to they like arch their back when they lift something. You right. know what? There's, there's definitely something in that, Todd, because That's letting you into a secret, my wedding night, <laughs> I, I probably weighed like 105 kilos and I got like hammered drunk, <laughs> went upstairs, climbed on my missus, and I don't know how, but the morning after... I was on the floor, so her bench press had gone up like 90 kilos. Never done it before. <laughs> yeah, it's a, a, and a lot of that's motivation, too, then. So imagine yeah. if she was charting. I'd love to see her YouTube channel. There you go. That's it. That's, that's free, that one. So there is definitely something in that. Paul, sorry, mate. You were just about to make a valid point. No, no, no. You, you, you overshadowed me with that analogy. That's a good point, though. <laughs> no, I was going to say Todd's spot on. Like, you know, we deal with kids and, you know, our standard, you know, for a high school kid in the bench press is 300 pounds. That's our standard. Before, you know, that's once you get there, then we'll start evaluating games. Kind of. So it's one of those deals where 44 percent could happen over the course of a month when a kid learns how to lift. But once you get to that 300 pound mark as a, you know, 16, 17 year old kid, let's start measuring percentage game back. It, it quite often is much, much slower based on the field. Mm-hmm. Now let's talk about Ryan Bowen for a moment. He's, He's a, a friend st- of Danny Tash. Well, I mean, that in itself <laughs> should earn him some respect. That's part of that 44%. The first four in 44% is Danny Tash. Oh, 100%, 100% agree with that one, mate. Well, we're sticking on percentage. He's 100 in there. He sitteth on the right hand of the father. I mean, obviously, you know, D- Danny Tesh, whether or not we see him in the 600 series, talk about come up, kick some ass, say very little doing it. I mean, he didn't, that got, that match got quite emotional, didn't it? You know, Quinlan was all fired up. There was all sorts going on with the referees. Not a word from Danny Tesh. Say it's the quiet ones you got to watch. No, I think Bart was holding a, a, a mirror under Danny's nose to see if he's still alive. <laughs> he's like horizontal, isn't he? And yeah, yet, all of Australia revving him. You, have you pulled him while you're out there? Did you pull with Danny? Uh, I met him, but I didn't. And I went to his uh, place of business, but no, we didn't pull. Just he, he just drifted in on on a cloud. I think I pulled him left-handed in the the WAL event that got canceled in Vegas. I think I pulled him left-handed that day. Did you? How'd that go? Um. Well, I I I didn't win. I I think I got second or third in that class. I think I beat Danny because mm-hmm. I lost to yeah. Talbot and Bishop left-handed. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, that was what first put him on the radar of the world arm. He he had. Every other match was a screamer. He had a battle with Paul Maiden. He had an incredible war with Tony Katowski. He was just in war after war after war. Is it really in? The, he's like the Australian version of Frode Hoagland. Yeah, that's the that's the match I want. You know, if we can't if we can't make Danny Tesh versus God, then <laughs> the, the next option for me is Frode Hoagland and Tesh. Or give him that rematch with Satan. Yeah, that'll have it. I mean, you know, we got to start working on that. I'm going to write that down just a second. Scribble that on my on my, my little pad here at the side of me. But do, do you, what what do you guys think of uh, Danny as a threat? Do you did you see enough of that guy when he pulled Quinlan? Obviously, the the Aussies are right behind him and say that he's making gains like no other, and he, they 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 don't expect him to lose to anyone. 
is it is the hype real? Is Danny Tesh for real, or is there is it a lot of hype? Well, I think uh, Tesh and RVJ are probably battling out for second place to see who gets the next shot at Paul. <laughs> oh great. my God, mate! I've got it. You do know that what you're gonna, you do know what start what you're starting here, don't you? It's gonna be on now. Oh, nobody, nobody, nobody believes anything on the internet. <laughs> One more time, guys. We've got to take a short break just there, but please don't go away. Get up, get yourself a brew, but don't go far. We'll be back in just a few. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. And without further ado, let's get back into the mix with tonight's guests, Todd Zilla, Todd Hutchins, and Mr. Paul Lynn. I forgot one earlier on, Paul. We've got to come back to this. I can't let you get off the hook that easy. I always do this to Paul. He's like the nicest guy in the world. He comes on here, he's like humble, he's respectful, and I throw in some question like this. I'm ready for it. Storm Chilino, dude. Who wins? Who wins? Yeah. Are we you talking about you, 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 and, you and Storm knew each other well. In arm wrestling. Come on. Give, give us the lowdown on the show. Now. My first year arm wrestling at the first tournament that I, the first WAL qualifier that I hosted mm-hmm. uh, three years ago. Um, right now, I think, and, and to be to be 100% honest with you, his hand is better than mine. Um, I would probably take my arm and supination over his. Uh, so we both have our spots. We both know where those spots are. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess it's a toss-up. You know, it's it's who gets to their spot first, and that's 100% honest. Um, yeah, but you guys are sandbagging each other. You know what works against him, and you don't let him know you know. And he knows a trick that kills you, and he doesn't let you know he knows what kills you. You guys, because you guys in the back of your head, you both know you're going to end up pulling each other someday. So you each got these, know little that. Secret, <laughs> these little secret weapons you're hiding from each other. See, honestly, I don't honestly really that's not it. I mean, we've dug the whole way into our own weaknesses with each other. You know, when we pull, it's not we're not pulling to pin each other. We're working in our each other's weak spots. No, I understand. I trained with I trained with John Brzezink and Ron Bath and Dave Randall and all those guys. But you you still know what works and you don't you don't. And I pulled Dave Chafee and I pulled uh, all kinds of big guys. So you know what works and you go, hey, I'm not going to bring that weapon out too often. They don't need to see that. I'll just keep this. Good secret. That's smart. I might not. I might not be as smart as you though. You know already. Nobody goes fishing and throws every single lure in their toolbox into the lake. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think, like I said, I think we're both probably pretty transparent, but I can't speak to that 100% because I don't know what's going on on the other side completely. But um, I think we both have a pretty good feel for each other, for sure. And, I mean, we've talked before. We know sooner or later, at some point in time, we're going to have to pull each other. Um Obviously, we figured it'd be a, hopefully a, a year or two down the road to make it more climactic, you know, maybe more for a hammer type thing, depending on how things goes. But you never know. And like I said, um, I think there's I think there's a lot of there's a lot of options out there, um, especially with the, the potential for new talent coming in at the middle ways. So, yeah, we'll see. You, of the guys that are going to the cock of the walk competition and you look at that, it's a 
pretty much a murderer's row. Who's your pick from that? Who do you guys um, see as being the, the the major threat, and who's the men most likely within that within that setup? We got guys like Brent Rockers just just rolling up there, Sonny the Money. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of names on there. Todd, anybody in there that you're looking for that really impresses you from the crop that you've seen in Cock of the Walk? Um, no, you're pulling it, Paul. No. So this is for anybody who's not. This is for anybody who's not currently signed. So tell me who's in it then. All right. I, I wish I had my other phone. I'd pull the names up. I'll, I'll rattle as many off as I can. Yeah, I'll try and get some if you miss any. So we got we got um we got Dallas Langston, Brandon Elsesser, Jason Merlot, Kevin Robertson, Eric Hattrick, Lucas Raymond, Rackers and Larson. We have Eduardo Tiate. We have Goga Umbolivia. Um. We have Justin Jell. We have Shay Dickey. Um, who else did I miss, Neil? I think just Sinks. Bill Sinks for sure. You got Brandon. Uh, yeah, I think that's everybody. Yeah, I like I like Rockers and Tiete right off the top. Right. Although Tiete, he's another one of those. He's a little guy coming up again, right? He was. Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's tough for those little guys to come up into this class, man. It's they I don't think they understand how big a 200 pound arm wrestler is. Yeah, some of the guys like, you know, your bigger boys in there uh, should give Eduardo a, a, a world of pain on the hand and wrist. And yeah. when something's that deep, I mean, Eduardo's always been that guy with the, you know, he's got the acid hook, but it can only last so many matches. Th- th- triple elimination with that depth of competition. Wow. Yeah, yeah tournaments are always tournaments are always weird too because if you don't seed them properly, you end up not you know you're. A, I guess a triple elimination tournament would be different than double on on how many it determines. But yeah, if it's not seeded properly, you knock people out. You know, you put miles on them too early in the tournament, but mm-hmm. it should be a right. good one to see. Anyways, I like I like his. Uh, what was that idea where? Like the diversity award or something? Like yeah, that's, that's a great, great call. Yeah, it's a great call, and it's true. How many guys do possess that? Not only the ability to do that, but the ability and the balls to do that in the actual heat of battle. You know? Yeah. Well, there ain't too many guys that can do that in the current WAL roster. You know? No. <laughs> right. No, they're they're they really aren't. It's it's the biggest the trickiest part about pick, picking a favorite there, Neil, is the triple elimination. Um, so like like Todd said, if we don't seat them up right early, somebody could get a cakewalk or somebody could run through murderer's row. I think it's going to wind up being over sixty matches based on how many opponent how many competitors we have. So when I look at the favorite, like my my dark horse for this is Kevin Robertson. Um, He's a super tall and long 205 guy. Yep. He's probably not going to have to cut a ton of weight, maybe five pounds. He can top roll. He can hook. I'm pretty sure Todd's familiar with him. Um, I think he's I think he's trained over there before, but I think he has the versatility to make waves. And I really like um, the Georgian Goga, who lives mm-hmm. in Washington D.C. Not many people know about him. I think he podiums at Arnold's most most years. Um, I think he's a junior European uh, champion. I think he competed at Saudi at one point. Um, and nobody knows this guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be a hell of a... I mean, starting with Kevin. Love that lad. 
I mean, he's you know, in terms of character set, he's one of those guys. Langston's another one. Just yeah. love him. Really, you know, core from the original cloth. I love I, th- th- those lads are great. I've got a soft spot for Brandon El Doesn't sell himself well at all, but um, you know, it, it, he's. I don't think there's many people up for it more or working harder than that lad either. You know, yeah. it'd be nice to see him do well in there. We had a huge practice in in, in PA um, yesterday, and Brandon Brandon came out, and I mean, he doesn't get off the table. He's on there with Schoolboy, Storm, myself, everybody, Dustin, all these other guys. Just does not get off the table at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, he's one of those guys. He's a bit of an unsung hero, but um, it'd be nice to see him to, to see him make some waves there. When you look at that, and you look at that, is there anybody that's being missed, overlooked? Anybody that's not in cock of the walk that you, you think is a real contender? And I'm going to fling two names in here straight off the bat. Noise, noise, noise from one of them, Mosier. Um, you know, do you rate Daniel that highly? Do you think he, he he'd be? a difference maker in that tournament and the other one Alan Ford of Canada if I I think if Mosier if Mosier comes in he has the style like if Mosier were to come in with his quick start dead load and everything I think he would probably be the odds on favor to win it because of style mm-hmm. um I'm not sure I'm not sure how interested he is right now uh, we reached out to him very little interest coming back um Alan Ford Honestly, I don't know enough about him. He was kind of he kind of predates my time in arm wrestling. I hear the stories and I saw the videos with him and Rob. And obviously, at one point, he was you know on top of the mountain. Um, but we we reached out to Alan. He he showed a little bit of interest, some concern about certain things, um, and never really got back to us. I know he posted something the other day asking if it was still going on. Um, all the spots currently are closed, but if Alan wanted in, I'm sure we could make an exception to Yeah. It'd be, it would have been very interesting to see either one or both of those guys in there. I think, um, I'm not sure. Another guy that I think might, might have been missed. He did show some interest and isn't on social media, but reached out to some other people was Chad Silvers. Um, there was there were some concerns there. I think he was interested in payouts, which we weren't quite offering. And uh, Rob did offer those incentive those incentive payouts, um, but I don't think it was enough to bait him in. That's a shame. Uh, Silver's a bad man. Yeah. If those guys are in it, Neil, who do you think wins it? Ooh. Very very hard. I mean, it's like you say, it's on the draw. If you were looking at, I think a more interesting question in my mind would be, of those guys, who would I envisage or who would you see as the best single entity super match arm wrestler? And that's a very interesting question. My only sort of criticism, not criticism at all because I love it, but my only sort of um, the, sh- the shame with the fo- that kind of tournament format is that draw will be critical. Um, how the matches go and who gets who will be critical. Right. I mean, Rob, Rob we've toyed with a bunch of ideas as to how to seed them. Rob even mentioned yeah. at one point taking a bicep measurement on each opponent and seeding them <laughs> by bicep size down to the millimeter. <laughs> Do what I do, Paul, is I'd let the uh, I would let the competitors uh, rank everybody because I mean there'll there'll be some people that are just blowing themselves up, but they you know if everybody ranks themselves first, okay, you can kind of dis disregard that, but everybody probably knows who the top three or four people are. 
So even if uh, Chad Silvers ranks himself number one, he'll probably give you a pretty good indication of who he thinks numbers two, three, and four are. And you could just mm-hmm. compile all that, and you could almost seed that tournament according to the way the competitors think it should be seeded. Right. That's interesting, too. And there's one kid in California that's in that weight class that was going to the Arnolds that's, that uh, got canceled. His name's Gage Jordan. He's a young yeah, kid. Yeah, we forgot him. Yeah. What do you think about him, Todd? I tell you what, man, nobody's hit me as hard and fast as he did other than Daniel Mosier. Now, him how is Daniel he hitting? Mosier, I mean, him and Daniel Mosier are almost, it's, it's almost like a mirror arm wrestling itself. I mean, he, he felt so much like Mosier did to me. It was uncanny. Really? Now, yeah. what, what kind of, is it like back pressure with a cup? Like, what is it? It's like a no load, just freaking blasting sideways. It's like, right. and he did it to me three times. And I mean, that was a surprise every single time. Wow. One thing is for sure, guys, the middleweight division is absolutely rock strong. And it's going to be interesting this year to, to see who does rise to the top. Obviously, limited opportunity within the World Arm Wrestling League roster, but with so many hungry guys coming up through that class, the future's absolutely bright in there. It really is. And um, it's going to be a tough test for for Obidjan to hang on to the title this year. Guys, I want to say thanks very much for coming on the show. Really, really appreciate it. And uh, we hope to get you both back on here really soon. Thank you very yeah, much, Neil. I know, you guys, I know you guys are watching this Cock of the Walk tournament. And I uh, just kind of wanted to reaffirm to the guys who are in it. Obviously, no decisions are going to be made um, based off of this tournament or who winds up winning it. Um, but just reaffirm to them that you guys have eyes on it, I think would be uh, in current state of the world right now, probably a, a, a good thing uh, moving forward towards the travel that's probably going to be required to some of these guys, even though they're all stateside. Uh, but yeah, we, we, we appreciate the WAL kind of like sanctioning our tournament and everything else. And, We'd love to actually see, you know, I wish we could put it out there. I know it's not going to happen, but I'd love to throw a real incentive out there of maybe myself or Storm possibly getting a match with whoever comes out of that tournament. Oh, woe is me. Ladies and gentlemen, i got to pull the curtain down on this one there, but I'm gutted to do so. I was having so much fun. I want to say an enormous thank you to my guest tonight, Paul Lynn and Todd Zilla, Todd Hutchins. Two absolute class acts there. I also want to say a massive thank you to all of you guys for taking your time out to tune in, to check us out right here on the World Arm Wrestling League this week with myself, Neil Pickup. We hope you will again, same time, next time. But until then, stay safe, guys, and take it easy, peeps. Sports betting is sweeping across the country faster than the coronavirus, and Wagering Week is your antidote. I'm Tom Martin, and I'm a veteran sports analyst and respected sports handicapper who helped build ESPN's brand. I've been recognized and awarded by Pro Football Weekly and Gaming Today magazine as the honest handicapper. Let the other guys give you the same old boring sports talk with the same tired storylines. We'll give it to you straight here every Friday on Wagering Week. Don't gamble with other podcasts. Let Sports Garden Network's Wagering Week help your bottom line.